Welcome to Authentic Living with Roxanne on Global Voice Radio. Join Roxanne Durhage and her thought-provoking conversations, the catalyst to live your life to the fullest. It's uh, Roxanne Durhodge again with Authentic Living with Roxanne. So thanks again for tuning in. Uh, another week, uh, I have today I have a, a special uh, guest, someone I met uh, going back about uh, three years ago right now, Carol. Right, uh, right. Back in um, Baltimore, uh, where we were uh, attending an event together. And Carol, um, what actually interviewed me on her podcast, I think it's almost about two and a half years ago now. And how things have changed, haven't they? Now I have my podcast and Carol was so gracious to come back and to be my guest. So I'm gonna tell you a little bit about Carol and um, and what all the amazing things that she's done. Carol um, has written a, um, a memoir, which is called Battered Hope. And, um, and she has a, a blog called Never Give Up Hope, um, which she does. She's also a columnist with The Fun Magazine and she won an award, a global, a, 2018 award global award um one women and this is for given to women who face their fears and she was able to win that award and carol you can let me know if i'm getting some of these details incorrect um she does a bi-weekly show um where it's uh on never give up hope where she interviews people uh, that have been through um, insurmountable obstacles and have gotten figured out very creative ways to get through it um and along with being a motivational speaker, she's a t she has a TV show and she's a writer. Um, and she also does something fun, which is all women like to hear. She owns two jewelry stores, which I would love to hear more about, Carol. And she's a health, certified health coach, a wife, a mother, a grandmother, which is the fun part, I'm sure. And, hus and her and her husband have rescued over 30 dogs. Wow. That's, that's amazing. So um, I would love to hear more about that too. I'm sure everybody else would love to hear about that. So Carol, thanks so much um, for joining me today. Thank um, you for having me. Yes. So it's been, it's been a couple of years, but um, so I, is there anything on, on your bio that I missed that you, you think uh, you should mention that uh, the listeners should, should know about? Well, as you were talking about it, I thought, my goodness, I'm a busy person. <laughs> but two, <laughs> you got it. <laughs> two, uh, two shows a week, that's that's a lot. So I know when we were booking, we were booking a fair amount out. I know what it takes to do one a week, but two, and you're still on that, uh, you're still on that routine to get two, week a, two done a week every week? I try to, um, to maintain, of course, the status on Google, which is, I'm number one in the uh, area of hope. That's amazing. That's amazing. It, it shocked me. Someone pointed it out to me. So it's exciting, but it just shows you that that is a subject that people really are interested in, that they need, that they want, that they listen to. Never ever give up. And we all, we all need hope. We all need to, and we know that life sometimes uh, throws us uh, certain things and it's really about trying to find that sense of, of, of hope again, if it has been um, like in your set, in your case, the term battered or shattered, it takes a lot sometimes because sometimes you're, you're pulling at little crumbs to try to kind of 
figure it out again. So Carol, tell, uh, tell the listeners about your path and um, how you started in this field and um, you know, what inspired you to get into the field to offer or, or create hope in the world for people that listen, uh, listen to you or watch you on t- your TV show or coach with you. Well, we have three hours, right? <laughs> just just under. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you the story of how it all came about, which I think is very humorous, and you'll probably give uh, you a better understanding of why I do what I do. I have lived in a horrendous life, let's call it, of uh, problems, of circumstances that have been negative, Everything from being, um, when my mother died when I was very young, uh, to uh, getting cancer when I was in my 20s. The doctor telling me I had two years to live. I decided to find my own cure because I didn't like uh, the fact that he said hysterectomy or death, and I refused to accept that. And just many other things, being gang raped when I was also in my 20s, left for dead. Um, my husband and I lost uh, two businesses due to the practices that were um, that our partner had gotten involved in, and they basically robbed us blind. It just, you know, went on and on to the point where you didn't want to pick up the telephone because you didn't know what bad news you were going to get, and you know who died and and who took advantage of you and who stole this from you. And, we had one home completely vandalized, another burned down by fire. It just went on and on to the point where, like I said, you did, you, you have a real struggle to get up and put one foot in front of the other. But probably the way that I was raised, it didn't really matter what happened to me. I always decided to look at the right side and to have the right attitude because I knew that was the only thing that would get me through, just like with the cancer diagnosis. Uh, that was really a pivotal place in my life where I knew that I had to beat this. And so at that point, you don't give up hope because you always are that attitude of, I can do this, I can beat this. And that in itself is creating an, an environment even around your own, you know, your own mental stability, right? Is, is, I, You've got to take something that you can hold on to. And for me, it was hope or going sane. So the humorous part of the story is, of course, my daughter knew this. And this is, of course, the daughter I was supposed to have. So that's another miracle baby. Because I was 40 when I had my first child. Wow. Took 14 years after the doctor gave me that diagnosis. But I completely turned my health around. And that also uh, triggered me to study health and become a, a health coach as well. So she kept pushing me, Mom, you've got to write your story. You've got to write your story. You've got to get it out there. There's so many people, even in her generation, as the generations are living in more and more fear and trepidation than they ever did, you know, back when I was growing up. And there's just so many more things that they have to contend with. She says, my generation needs to hear your story and give them that hope that no matter what happens, that they have to endure, that they too can come out the other way. Well, I, I'm not a writer, I didn't, you know, I'm, dabbled in there and whatever and I didn't want to to do that and she kept pushing me for about many years anyway and then she went away to Costa Rica after she had just bought a puppy 
and the puppy was a little miniature Dachshund with her legs about an inch long. And he loved his mommy and his mommy went away. And so she asked if we would take care of the dog, of course. And she, uh, so he left and one evening my husband and I are sitting in the living room and we hear this noise, the thump, the thump, the thump, the thump. And here coming down the stairs was this little, Louis Vuitton was his name. Vuitton, little miniature doxy and he's bringing down his Louis Vuitton carrier and down the stairs and it's heavy it's three times the size of him you know he gets it down scampers back up the stairs and he proceeded for that evening to bring down every single one of his possessions his bowl his leash his, his um uh, like we're sitting there like a show watching this go on this is taking him a long time he goes up the stairs pretty quick bringing everything down and he gets everything down he then proceeded to jump and put his things in this carrier this dog had locked his mommy packed her suitcase and he wanted to go with mommy i mean it's incredibly smart breed obviously wow i've never heard anything like that carol <laughs> i haven't either but we're sitting there with our dogs like this is the best entertainment ever and he proceeded to get everything that he owned into this carrier and then he jumped inside and tried to with his teeth pull the zipper closed. Wow. Couldn't believe it. Well we left him there. It was well late in the evening. We left him there in the morning. We went down, opened up, and there he is. And he looks up like, You're not mommy. Like body oh. you know, it was so it was it was tear jerking. Anyway, so there's one of them right behind. I see that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so um, we couldn't believe it. So I started making notes. And during the two weeks that we were boarding this little dog, did incredibly funny things. And so instead of me telling her, I put them in a book with pictures. Oh. I gave it to her at Christmas. And she read it, crying and laughing at the same time. She said, Mom, now write your story. Mm. And so that's how the whole thing started. Wow. Did the title and also the um, cover of the book. So she so your daughter did both? Yes. Wow. And she said, I have seen you bruised, beaten, battered, and never broken. Mm. And that's why she gave the book that title. To help and I wrote the story. It took me a few years. And then from there, when I started getting the reviews and people were talking about how they could relate to different parts of the book, I knew then I had to hear other people's stories. Mm. And so I just put it out there on LinkedIn if you have a story of where you've been beaten, etc., and um, surviving terrible circumstances, I want to do it. I want to share it. Within the first hour, I people respond and it's that's what's gone from the book and now like I wow. never ever been in 140 countries and the stories are remarkable and it's all coming because of that little doxy that's what what i love that story i get I, I and i'm picturing it in my brain yeah. as i'm looking at my stairs right and i'm like that must have taken him a long time, but he like I said it was our evening entertainment. It was a very <laughs> long <laughs> oh. Okay, so Carol, you know, 
I, d I didn't know, uh, I may have known, but maybe I forgot. Um, but obviously, early years, you probably were in a lot of dark spaces, right? And with the, some of the things that you talked about. And then you get this cancer diagnosis. Like, how did you pull hope then out of yourself? I mean, through desperation, like you said, you know, being gang raped, you know, and, and left for dead, you know, at some point you got to say, wow, what's going on in this world, right? With all these things happening. How did you find that space within yourself to be able to, to connect to that hope? I've been asked that many times and I never really have come up with a solid answer other than my father was a minister. I grew up in a home where faith was very strong and I knew that God would take care of me no matter what happened to me. So that's where my hope source came from. And then it just, you know, when, when you feel that God has helped you in one area, then you know he's going to help you in another. And so that's where I put my hope, my trust, my faith, and it just becomes a lifestyle. You know, I've interviewed a lot of people who have put their faith and their hope in many different things. But it becomes a lifestyle because you have the right to choose how you're going to respond or to react to anything that happens to you. And I push attitude and anybody that has gone through a lot of things um, and they share their stories with me the same thing. It comes down to attitude. You, just like a perfect example is you can choose to forgive or not. Mm -hmm. you know, that choice lies in who. who gets hurt by not forgiving is you. And, and, I, and I think a lot of people struggle with that. Would you, I mean, yes. I, I think, you know, when we talk about, um, say for instance, something like cancer, and I've had another guest on, and um, she talked about being so disconnected um, to herself and what she had done to herself physically, emotionally, spiritually, that she recognizes now in recovery what she was doing to herself by holding on to certain things. So, you know, when I've heard in, in you know, in my kind of tenure in practice, I've heard horrendous stories. Like, I mean, I, I wish, you know, these are things that I never wish another human being to hear. But right. much as to have people tell me that story and I'm like, my goodness. And then I hear the resilience and I see people wanting exactly what you're talking about, which is hope, peace of mind, um, to be able to sit in the moment and just enjoy something simple like maybe having a good conversation with a friend or having a nice meal with a family member or family you know they just want everybody we all want the same things would you agree yeah. yes. right and but sometimes what happens is with uh what, what i know and obviously i'm sure you hear this over and over again with the people it's the triggers and the things that come up that are so debilitating because the brain and the body is trying to help you through the brain and the body is equipping you to be able to survive but it's a, it's kind of a double-edged sword of, or a bit of a curse in that you survive, but it's it's the shrapnel or the aftermath of what that unresolved triggers and where it takes you either within your thoughts, within your feelings, within your body, um, that keeps you trapped and protected, which now you don't need to be protected anymore. 
but you have to, like you said, you have to do something differently. In your case, it's, you said it was faith. What other stories, what kind of things have you heard now that I'm going to assume you've, is it mostly women that you interview or do you find men also come forward? What, okay. Okay. What are some of the core elements? And I'm sure you've heard a ton of traumatic um, stories. What are some of the key things that you find that people use to, to get through trauma? One, I think the, the key, and no matter what you, your spiritual um, places, your, you know, what your belief system is, is their faith and what they choose to believe in. Um, many people, of course, believe in God and how mm -hmm. he can help, you know, you through any situation, which is where I chose to put my faith. A lot of people put it in themselves. This is a, and, and so they build themselves up. And yes, I mean, as soon as you mentioned the stories, I, you know, I think of a hundred stories. And, but the core element, I think, is they have to believe in something. And what I, when I do public speaking, what I've been saying lately is kind of my mantra, kind of like my key tagline, per se, for my speaking is God knows the end of your story. Hmm. And so, I don't know the end of my story, but I know what I need to do to get there. And that is, I need to believe that I can make that. Mm -hmm. So if I put that faith in myself, put that faith in my God, you know, I have to believe that I'm going to get there. Otherwise, what's going to happen? You're not going to get there. There right. has to be, you're right, there has to be that out, and that's what hope is too. You know, hope is out here, but you want to attain that. You want to get there until you you hold on to whatever thread that happens to be. And there were many times, and I'm, I'm sure you've heard the same story, you cried out and said, why? Why is this happening to me? It's not fair. No, it's not fair. Mm -hmm. But as a result, being able to help others, and I'm not trying to do that to sound saintly by any stretch of the imagination, but by able to help others what you have gone through is you know, probably the greatest joy that you can ever imagine to think that I help someone else because of what I've been through, not necessarily in the area of advice, you know, like, well, you should do this because this is what I did, no, but because I made it, and you can too, and to encourage them that no matter how hopeless the situation is, hold on to whatever they need to hold on to mm -hmm. to make sure that you get to the end of your story because we all have a story. So if, if someone is listening right now, and I'm sure um, when we look at the stats with trauma, it's, you know, um, it's one in three women that has endured something and one in six men um, by the time they're the age of 18, which is, <laughs> that technically is like if you're in a room of six people, there's two people out of six that have something has happened to in their lives. And I often say, uh, you know, as a psychotherapist, that means it could be a small T trauma which means that maybe my parents were neglectful to a big tree trauma, which could be anything as horrific as almost all the way, all the way of, of genocide or, you know, um, any atrocity. So we know that that can, so if someone's listening right now, which I'm, I'm, I'm hoping a lot of people have tuned in to listen and someone's lost, maybe, they're hearing you, they're thinking, wow, Carol, that sounds kind of good, you know, God and faith and all that stuff. 
what would you what would you say to a listener that's listening to us now that's kind of it's kind of thick and deep and they're not so sure what would you what what kind of words of wisdom would you share with them well that's a pretty heavy subject <laughs> yeah i know it is carol <laughs> um i also wanted to say uh, we lost the child after having him for a year and then recently six years ago now our son his wife and our two grandchildren for reasons still to this day unbeknown to us chose to walk away from our family and we have not heard a word in six years how do you how do you handle that and wow. looking back you know pain is relative right and some people if their kids walked away from them they might say yay <laughs> you know, yeah, it was a good thing, you know. So it definitely is relative, but because of what I had experienced in losing our son when he was a year, this is what I was talking about. Where if we have the right attitude as we go through these things, we don't know when we're going to have something else happen in our life that might be very parallel. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I almost, literally, I almost died of a broken heart when our son walked away. I was at a main caregiver for the two children you know, as far as um, babysitting and that kind of thing. And for him to walk in one day to our store, look at us and say, three, well, first of all, three days before we had an anniversary, our 40th wedding anniversary, was a huge gala affair that our kids put on for us. It was absolutely beautiful. Told us how much, you know, our sons and how much he loved us. And three days later, he walked in the store and said, I never want to see you again. Oh my goodness. That, you know, so there's a shock element too. And as that's what I was thinking of as you were as you were um, talking about, you know, what the people when they when they are listening, there's many things that happen in their lives that are very shocking. And you know, how much can you take? And I almost literally died of a broken heart. And there is there is a um, uh, there are symptoms to a heartbreaking. And if people have died from it, and it is that devastating. But even if, as I mentioned earlier, if you can find one thing to hold on to, just one, tomorrow's in the day. If I can get through this hour, if I can, you know, know that God is protecting me and helping me, or that I have a support system over here, or whatever, and just concentrating on that instead of concentrating on what you lost or what you're going through. That is very often what does get us through. That's my personal belief, anyway. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How shocking and devastating you can say, okay, I've been here before, or so and so has been here, or if I can just get through this, I can make it. And you build yourself up. Yeah, a bit at a time, right? It's, I often say, Baby steps. When, I get, when I get up in the morning, I can see right and i look out my window and i look onto the woods so i look outside and it's oftentimes um you know a sky that is different or beautiful so i thank god that i can or something bigger than me that i can see that or you know um i can hear my son getting up in the morning or you know knowing that i can get up and, and get out of bed you know and, and these you know the practice of gratitude is, is you know and i know we hear that all the time it kind of it sounds kind of, kind of uh, cliche, yeah, yeah. It, it does, but it really, 
you know, it, it is so important. I remember my, when my mom was, um, unfortunately, about 15 years ago, my mom um, out of nowhere and developed a brain tumor. And um, they didn't know it was developing other than she was having, you know, she was, you know, having trouble walking, sometimes breathing. We weren't sure. We thought maybe, you know, maybe stress, those types of things. And and um, and then they rushed her in and they got an MRI done. And within minutes, they said, you know, we have to get her into surgery because what, what had happened was they had found this tumor was at the base of her brain. And they said, well, you know, and then they go into the, you know, what's going to happen, right? So they share with us that, okay, we're going to do the surgery, but, you know, if anything goes wrong, she may not be able to see, smell, swallow, um, breathe, all the, and I'm, I'm sitting there going, what? But then you realize, right, like what a gift it really is. And I remember, because I, you know, I, I would run back then. And I remember, you know, I used to always in my head go, oh, no, it's only 1K. I've got 5K to go. You know, <laughs> can I do this? Can I do this? And I remember after she went into the surgery and she was fine, I remember going out for a run for the first time after, and I was grateful. I never thought I would see running that. I was grateful that I had the strength. I had yeah, the ability yeah. to see was what was around me. So it, it's funny when you say that, it's perspective, truly, right? Because something that I looked at, at before from a different lens, now I looked at it as a truly a gift that my body could do that or that I could go and run again and really not have anything on my mind. That's right. right. You know, because I, we had been given a gift because everything worked out really well and, and she, she got through the surgery. You know, so I think it's what you're talking about is, is perspective and really trying to, to see, the, see the positive in whatever you have in front of you at that time. Now, it's interesting that you brought that up about getting up in the morning and seeing because I have who had a woman friend who has become a very, very close friend from me interviewing her. And it's interesting how these can often develop into these kind of relationships. When she was 39 years old, she woke up one morning totally blind. Oh, wow. No indication whatsoever previous to that. She had three small children. Her husband left her because he couldn't cope. And he did come back and they rekindled their marriage, etc. But in the meantime, her son, who was then uh, in later years, he was 17 years old, was attacked and for no reason beaten and stabbed to death. 17 times in front of a store at 11 o'clock at night on the college campus. And, and he, he passed away? Did yes, he pass away? Yes, oh, yes. the, um, because of the state they live in and some discrepancies in whatever the police report, it, he got off scot free. And on and on and on. This woman has the most phenomenal attitude. And it has come possibly because of what she went through. And that's why I was stressing that you, you are, you become your environment or you become what, I don't know the words, you're, you're the psychotherapist, right? <laughs> well, maybe, you know what, it truly is, it's probably the same thing, Carol, but maybe the way we say it because of the field is different. But what I hear is um, we call it context dependence. If, if I lose my sight, then maybe my emotional, um, ability to anticipate more emotion gets heightened that's right now i've lost this this one sense that's so right. something else gets compensated in, in some other way and it's she says i i look at the heart and i see the heart and that comes through the other senses too 
And so it's just, again, as you mentioned, perspective in how we look at anything that happens to us and decide I'm going to, this is going to make me or break me. The choice is really ours. I'm going to forgive or not to forgive. You know, I'm going to move forward or stay back. So with your keynotes, uh, Carol, um, so I'm going to assume you do, you probably do keynotes throughout the U.S. Do you do them internationally also? I haven't yet, no. Okay, not yet. So Canada. Just, and Canada. Okay, awesome, awesome. So tell me what's, what is it that, um, what are some of the things that you, you, you talk about in your keynote? Pretty much is it some of the things we're talking about now, or are there different things that you talk, that you focus on when you speak? Mostly what we're talking about now, forgiveness is huge, hope of course, um, looking at things from this isn't the end of your story. I think since I've been doing that, I've been getting more and more feedback where people are so often when they're going through trauma, they're looking at the now only. They're not looking at the future and knowing right. what you are going to get through, whether you've got a past bad experience or not, this may be the first one, but you are going to get through you are going, and through is the operative word. You mm -hmm. know, I'm going through. I'm not staying here. I'm going to get through this. And whatever means that they need, whatever sources that they need to get through that and to maintain that this isn't the end. This isn't the end. And so essentially it is more inspirational when I speak than motivational. But it also is motivational because it very often will help people to get up, uh, when I speak to business groups, get up and do what they want to do because it is their passion. And right. so talk a lot about passion as well. And to, you know, get off your butt, get out of your comfort zone, do what you want to do. You know, I was 67 years old before I started my, my last career. And 67 so, when you started? When I started my last career, you know, and we just... Wow. So there's, there's, you can't put limits on yourself is what I'm trying to say. You don't have to say, well, I'm too old or I'm, I'm too this or I'm too bad or I don't have enough money or whatever. You find a way to do it. And if it's what you want to do, because you know what, if you don't, nobody else will. Absolutely. And it, it, it is, you know, you recognize when, when you put it from that perspective, you know, um, and so many people don't take the risk. They're afraid, and you know, and then they do, and then they kind of feel like, if well, I can't do that because I don't know how, and they don't have the faith again. Again, we're talking about faith and hope that something. I often say that um, you know, when you go through a major change, um, like I have in my life before, I said I, this is my my explanation of it, Carol. I say it's almost like I have to go through this long narrow, maybe dark, dark corridor, and I'm going to go, and I'm scared, and I'm hoping that there's going to be light on the other side, but I can't, I have to keep doing it, even if it's, um, if I'm, even if I'm tiptoeing a bit at a time, because at some point, only you can do it, you know, even when you're going through a tough time, you know, there's only so much people can support you, right, and after a while, then you, you know, people go, okay, you know, I've, I've supported you. Now it's your, it's now your turn to kind of step into it. And a lot of times people get so scared that they, they won't take that path down the road because they're, you know, they're overwhelmed by things. Not that, um, I, I think of some of the changes I've made in my life and it was overwhelming at the time. And, and yeah. now you realized, comfortable now. Wow. Yeah. Had I known what I know now, 
you know, I would have, I would have probably picked up the pace in the dark, but you know, it's, it's, it's normal human instinct. The uh, gentleman I was coaching last week, uh, who I've known for a number of years, and I have encouraged him to step out of his comfort zone because he has so much to offer in the area of coaching and speaking and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And he's, he could be a prolific writer. I mean, he's got awesome writer and he's never written anything. You know, I've, I've read some of the stuff that he writes, like just to me, stories or whatever. And so I started to encourage him and tell him, you know, he's got to do, and, and he looked at me with almost tears running down his face. And he said, at my age, I'm afraid I don't have room for another failure. Mm. Now, in my, for one thing, I don't think he's ever failed. It's his perspective, right? He's a successful man in many arenas. So I said, and I, I laughed at him. And I said, you know, basically I said, Fear of failure is one of the biggest lies that we hear. First of all, who's going to know if you fail? You're putting up your own your own um, limits or whatever, and you think, if I don't reach this for my goals, if I don't do this, I've failed. Failure is relative, right? Mm -hmm. And so who's going to know if you fail? You're the only one. And who cares what you think? You know? <laughs> basically, get out there and you got... Anyway, we chatted for a couple hours and we got so encouraged that you're right. I said, in, you know, we're used to in the corporate world or the business world or whatever, if we fail, everybody knows it. Like, oh my goodness, you're embarrassed and you're humiliated and one thing. I said, if you fail with what you try to do online, who's going to know it? Your followers might, might fall out. And so what? You know, if you don't take, make the attempt, I never in a million years would have guessed that my crazy life you know, and speaking about hope would put me as number one in a Google search. Like, who would, you can't buy that. You know what I mean? Like, no, no, that would cost a lot of money. Yeah, you could, you could for a lot of money, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Absolutely, that's right. But it just comes because you want it. You're going to go for it. You're not going to let anything keep you from, from your goal. And if you, and the other thing is you can't beat yourself up. Yeah. If you have a fallback or a setback or whatever, you pick your feet up and you start again. Like, so what? Mm -hmm. you know? and, you always, and you always learn, right? That's what I yes, often say. Absolutely. And you then, always think, oh, well, now I've learned I can't do that. Or maybe I should explore this differently. But you think, well, I'm not going to try that exactly the same way again. But that was a good exploration. And, you know, um, I think of some of the consulting that I've done over the couple, last couple of years and it taught me so much about myself, right? And, I, and then I learned what I didn't want and I knew more of where I wanted to be, which, you know, positioned me exactly where I wanted to be, which is basically speaking and coaching and consulting um, with companies, right? And, um, but again, had I not gone through those other situations, I may have gone down a different path and, you know, and, and the belief, and I don't know if you believe, when a door shuts, this is the way I look at it is, that's the universe saying that door is not for you. And then, okay, I need to move along and find the other next door that's ajar or open for me because those are other things that I need to explore. Whereas when I was younger, I used to, I used to think, well, why is this not working out? How come? Like I, you know, I've done this, I've done this and I've done this. And then I try again. And then the universe still shuts that door. So now I kind of look at it and go, okay, that door shut. <laughs> Time for me to try something a little bit um, differently. Um, so I think it's, you're right, it's mindsets. 
And what is feeling? Feeling is learning a little bit more about yourself and uh, giving you wisdom towards, you know, where, whatever path you're going on. And um, so in reference to coaching, you do coaching with men and women. And so you said you deal with entrepreneurs, you deal with people that are going through um, obstacles. um, um, And just do you do group coaching? Do you do individual coaching? What kind of coaching do you do? I do individual and actually just this past week, a few people have asked if we could start some doing some group coaching. Okay. Okay. So I'm not sure what that's going to involve by Zoom, of course, right? Right, right, right. Now, do you have a community? Do you have a Battered Hope community that's online? If anybody's listening, um, do you, you know, I know sometimes people start communities. Do you have something like that online or you don't? Okay, okay. So um, in reference to um, people getting a hold of you, I want you to, I don't know if you wanted to hold up your book again and tell people where they can get it. I would love for people, if they'd like to reach out, is it available on your site or is it on Amazon? It's on both, yes. It's available on my site. And actually, if you look up Hope, if you Google Hope, I'll be there. <laughs> well, I, you know what? I'm going to do that because I know how hard it is to get your, your uh, any, any brand up, up, up high. So, and you're, you're just, uh, if I put Hope. Well, it depends upon the search. But I mean, it, some people say that as soon as they put Hope and others, of course, um, never, ever give up Hope or... You know, it's all over the place, but it's pretty easy to remember. So never ever give up hope or battered hope or hope or Carol Graham or, you know, it'll pop up. And um, one of my blogs is a personal blog that I like to share mostly funny animal stories because yes. we love the animals and that that's a whole other group of people. And, but everybody enjoys a good story. And everybody enjoys true stories, and that's what I'm all about. Is is the true stories of people, my true stories, and truth is stranger than fiction. And you hear it all, just as, as you and your business. You certainly. Oh, of course, of course. The you know I I've heard so many amazing stories in my life, and you know, and I th- always think you know you can't create a story that's that's you know out there sometimes that you think there's no way someone could have made that up. Sometimes the stories I've heard and they're amazing or, or stories of resilience or, you know, people telling me things that they've done to get through. I often say that um, with my clients through the years, as I, in my practice, I used, I've, I've learned hope and resilience from them because every time I heard a story and um, I, I'll give you an example and I, I you know, when I deal with trauma stories and um, there was one woman, she was um, gang raped, unfortunately, and had a son. And um, then at the time she was coming to me, he was getting of age where he was getting serious with someone. So he had not known his origins prior to. So she was trying to come forward with me to figure out what was the best way and what legacy she was trying to create because she had raised, she had done a great job with this young man and didn't want to, you know, in any way, like you said, the beginning of what happened was not who he became and how, what kind of, um, she, she, you know, he was a great son, he was a great person, but he was then asking questions because he was getting uh, serious about someone. And I looked at the strength that it took in this woman to be able to raise this you know, amazing young man and, um, you know, and how she delivered, uh, you know, and I'm, 
trying to remember the story, but she really, um, you know, didn't get into the details other than she said that he was, um, you know, everything that she's created, it wasn't a good beginning in the relationship and um, didn't share uh, the entirety of from what I remember, um, but that, uh, you know, she just looks that that God gave her something that's impeccable. Um, and to her, she looks at him as a gift every, every single day. So talk about looking at adversity and creating something like you say, how will this story end? I love that, Carol, because with trauma, you're so right. People look in the moments um, and they get so uh, myopic, I call it, or centered just on the trauma that they don't look past it. And trauma sets you back into the rearview mirror, which really stifles um, that person. And then, you know, once they kind of get the right assistance, they start to recognize that that's not me. That's something that happened to me. So, um, and once they're able to do that, they're able to reconnect with hope. So go ahead, go ahead, Carol. As you're talking to, I want to give a word of encouragement to people who, okay, how can I word this? Many people have gone through a lot of things and you, and you may look at them and say, you're so strong. And you know, I could never have done this. You've got incredible strength. And, and so you're kind of labeled strong person. Somebody pointed out this to me years ago, and I so appreciate this. And it's the strong people that need your encouragement more than the weak. Hmm. And I never thought about that before. And now I see that. So people in my life, who I, especially now, in, you know, the people that I'm dealing with with the show, et cetera, I encourage them. Because most people are saying, oh, you're so strong. I wish I could be more like you. But you know what? They need that too. They need to, to say, you know what? Is there anything that you can talk about? Is there anything that I can maybe help you with or help you get a new perspective on? Because they're always looking at them and so what happens is we're draining them constantly. We're draining these people who might have a good friend. They are always looking for advice or strength or whatever. They need it too. Absolutely. So, and I, I often say the emotional person, because they show it, it's a smart way to get help. But sometimes the person that is so well put together that what happens is it, it's almost that they need to develop capacity to ask for help. Yes. Even That's though they're exactly. supportive. So awesome. Yeah. Yeah. How are you doing? I know, you know, I know you've, you've been through a lot of things and you look unscarred and you're always well-dressed, <clears throat> but how, how are things with you truly? And I think, you know, I've seen both. You're so right. But sometimes the most put together people, and I've seen this in my practice or just people that I've known are sometimes the people that need the most help. Yes. Well, they need the encouragement. They need that support right I, right and, and when somebody pointed that out to me because i and the other thing i think that strong people have a tendency to doing is is denying it oh no i'm fine i'm fine no everything's good and it's like really <laughs> okay so, how can it be <laughs> <laughs> you know i pull it out of them because there's an element of pride there too like i've helped so many people and i pulled myself up so many times surely i must be you know, I'm okay. No, I need the word. Hey, you know what? I'm, I've got you back. Right. I can tell you as a therapist, you know, um, I need help. I can't, I mean, well, in the context, yeah. but I have the support in that I have people that I go to weekly 
to be able to get that help, right? But maybe there's other people that with not the same backgrounds, like you're right, that they just need people to to just say, hey, how are you doing? And that's that's such a such a simple thing. So Carol, this has been an amazing um, experience. That, you know, not unlike um, me being on the other end. So I thank you because you were probably one of the first blogs that I um, saw the podcast that I did when I uh, launched my book. So thank you so much. And now I'm, you know, to be able to interview um, you has been an honor. Thank so, you. is there any last words that you want to share with the listeners? I want you to tell them exactly what your website is. Okay. Um, and how to get a hold of you um, and what maybe any other social media that you're on. Okay. Basically, all social media is under either Battered Hope or Never Ever Give Up Hope. And contact me. You know, if you have a story you want to share, you want to get out there, how you've overcome. Or on the other end, if you just need somebody to chat with, you know, um, or, or tell me your story. How do I get through this? I'm available. And okay. Facebook, um, my website, Never Ever Give Up Hope, Battered Hope, on and on and on. I see my dog in the background again. I <laughs> You see, that that, that gives me really, really nice context to your beginning story, and now we're ending with something really cute. <laughs> and if you have a dog that needs rescuing, don't contact me. <laughs> We've got far too many. <laughs> Thank you, Roxanne. This has been awesome. Thanks so much again, Carol, for spending the time. So everyone, uh, thank you. Um, so hopefully, as you can hear from what Carol shared, is that hope is just something um, that at times we all struggle with it in life, but it's really about perspective. So finding that bigger thing um, that helps you stay focused on, on universally while we're here, or just to remember the little things, like I said, about um, you know seeing something beautiful or smelling something or having uh, a, a, you know your favorite cup of tea. Just so, some small things sometimes is all that we need. And like Carol said, this is not the end of the story. I love that line. That's absolutely amazing because what a nice way to pop us back into reality because a moment in time is not our story. So again, thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Roxanne. If you'd like more information on authenticity, leadership, and mental health and well-being, uh, please go to my website at roxanderhodge.com forward slash course, and there's a free course uh, that you can sign up for. So thanks again.